Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, the Chiefs are out for blood on Sunday. Missouri football doesn't want that Kansas smoke. And could this be Big Red's best job in Kansas City? Special guests include Pete Sweeney at 11 and Andy Reid live at 1. Now two guys who know that Patrick Mahomes is more than just a subway commercial actor. Jay Binkley and Alex Gold. Hey, what's going on on a Red Friday? Oh, yeah, we will get to some great audio out of Cincinnati. And that's why Nick said what he said. If you're wondering, what is Nick talking about? Subway commercials, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, we well, it is a statement of fact. You know, is, he is, is more than just he, that. He definitely is. He's more than the State Farm commercials as well. Uh, coming up next hour, you'll, you'll hear some, some great audio from a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Jay Binkley in for Cody Tapp today. Cody back with us on Monday. Alex Gold. Nick Schwartz. Did he pick a bad week to take off? Did Cody pick a bad week? It's Look, a good he, week. For, it it's was, a good Chiefs week, man. See, we always say, like, they're always, you can always, if you're just trying to avoid, like, things happen, you can play that game every week. Like, you're worried in the spring, oh, man, you're going to miss the day that the Chiefs sign a big free agent, or you're going to miss the big trade, or you're going to, like, you can play that game. Um, he took he took this week but off what did months we, ago. But what, did we, ago. what have we been saying now for four days? It is... The most entertaining week heading into a Chiefs game we've had since the Bills game. Most anticipatory for sure. Like yeah. gearing up, getting ready for this game, excitement, anxiety. No doubt. I, I'm, I'm, I think we've been saying it all week. I think everybody's fired up and ready for this thing to get going, Bink, on, on Sunday afternoon. Because th- this is bigger than the Bills game. Because it's happening in week 13 of the season. The Bills had the epic game with the Chiefs in the playoffs, 13-second drive. And that added to the, the buildup in the regular season back in what week six it was. But if you look at what we've discussed throughout the week, which is a two and zero Cincinnati team against Patrick Mahomes and knowing the ramifications now with Buffalo winning last night, that if the chiefs lose this game on Sunday, then the chiefs go right back to the two seed. They're no longer the one seed just that quickly versus if you win the opportunity that you have. And then all the trash talk that's been going on. We played a lot of that audio Throughout the show yesterday between Justin Reed and Jamar Chase and Hayden Hurst, like revenge games do not happen when you have Patrick Mahomes. Very few. You get one or two a season, right, Bink? It's right. You get one or two a season. It's kind of funny, but if this is a home game, just take it up even more of a notch sure. uh, with the Bengals uh, playing this game at home. But it gives them a chance. That, yeah, they haven't beat the Bengals in Cincinnati since 1984. I don't think they care about that, but it's been a minute since they've won in that town, but yeah, whether this game is the first game of the year, the second, the third, it doesn't matter to me. When the schedule came out, this was it. It wasn't Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo, you know, top three game for the chiefs this season. It wasn't anybody in this division. Cause we all know this division is not very good. And the chiefs have been handling this division at a record pace. And it doesn't matter. And he reads what 35 and six against this division uh, since 2015. It doesn't matter. What matters is the bills for obviously playoff seating. They were the super bowl favorites. They didn't go in the chiefs favor, but the Bengals did beat the Chiefs twice last year. It wasn't just beating them in the regular season, the Chiefs beat them in the postseason. I understand. People were upset about the, the the regular season game. It came down to bad officiating, you name it. But the playoff loss is the one that really matters. That's the one that leaves that bad taste in your mouth. And, yeah, I do think this has been the driving force in the locker room. I think the players talk about it all the time. A few of them talk to the media. I mean, Justin Reed's gone and talked about it, even though he didn't play in that game, any of those games last year. He's been the chief talking in in this particular game, which is which is interesting to be honest with you, it's interesting that the guy that went in on the team last year is doing it because he hasn't really bought into the way Chiefs do things because the Chiefs do not 
give bulletin yeah, board material. The, uh, he wouldn't have been. I'm good first... with it though, but they don't do it. Yeah, I, I love it, but I, I think if we were to have done a, you know, done a player pool on Monday of players most likely to make public comments that stir things up during the week, uh, I don't know how many rounds we would have had to done, uh, have done, you know, to to get to Justin Reed, right? You have Jalen Watson first. He would have been like one of the last yes, guys. I'm saying. Justin like, Watson. You, you, you would have had to have gone through the roster quite a bit. Uh, the only, I, per- I would the only like person, Frank Clark or somebody. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The only person yeah. behind Justin Reed in terms of less likely to do it would be maybe George Karloftis. That would be nice though. I, it's we're we're maybe like or eight Butker. years. We're like eight years away from Karloftis ever trash talking. How about Townsend? Other teams. Publicly. Like if Townsend was going to lay it out. Nice guy. Tommy might be the nicest guy on the team. Or we Harrison Butker. We love when Tommy comes on the show. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. Best punter, punter in the NFL. Smack. He should be getting more love for the Pro Bowl this year. Problem is the rest of the special teams unit sucks so Vote much. That for it's Tommy. That's right. Vote for Tommy. Tommy. Vote for Tommy. Tommy. Mm-hmm. That's the campaign that we kind of started. But I'm looking forward to this game, though, Golden. It didn't really start. <laughs> I told you it kind of starts tonight with the Pac-12 title game. I mean, this is I know that you guys sneer except for Nick. Hopefully he watches this game. But it's a game that actually matters what? in the college football. What are you play. talking about? No, I said you'll watch it tonight. I said Alex may may may, may sneer. You'll cheer. Oh, because it's college on, football. College football, a pectoral title game. I'm you on get USC team, minus two and a half. I'll be watching. You'll be watching, it, or you'll be interested in. It. I don't know if you're watching it, but then you get 9 a.m. Okay. Well, gold. You keep, might. You might keep go going, watching. Keep going. Keep going, Bank. I just don't see you sitting at home on a Friday night watching this game. That's exactly what I'll be doing. Good. I You'll be up. out chasing chickies. Yeah. Chickies? Yeah, yeah you got a bunch. Women. You shaved that beard, and why'd you do that? But anyway, you get Team USA in the morning, then you get all the championship Saturdays. Why did you shave that? <laughs> oh, my God. You got to get to this point. We are all over. Uh, uh, why did I shave it? Because it's December now. We, uh, we, agreed to like no, we agreed to no shave November, and so once the calendar turned to December, it was time, man. No girl December. No girl December. That's dangerous. Hmm. What were you saying though, Bink? No, I'm just saying it's a great it's a great football weekend. If you like sports, then you get the Bengals Chiefs on Sunday. What's better than this weekend? It's the best weekend we've had so far as far as football. I don't know. Last weekend was really good. Say, la- it's yeah, gonna be tough la- to beat this weekend. Last year or last week was was the best. But how can you beat this? With the Pac-12 title game tonight. Team USA in the morning. Championship Saturday. You get K K State and TCU right there at eleven. You parlay it all day long. Yeah. Then you got Chiefs and Bengals on Sunday. Um, Find me a better weekend than this. Yes, yeah, so last weekend. Um, it so, wasn't, though. It so, wasn't. So last weekend. Uh, this Saturday is going to be great. Chiefs-Rams? Uh, you throwing yeah, that in there? Chiefs-Rams uh, over Chiefs-Bengals? I mean, I don't need to revisit it, I don't think. But Thursday. Go through every, la- night, last, every game. Last Thursday, there was this holiday called Thanksgiving, and so nobody had to work, and so everybody was sitting at home and watched three football games. Oh, you, you include three, Thanksgiving all on three that. three were pretty good. Is it, is it, then, is it a holiday? Friday, is it a weekend? Then Friday, were you working? Then there was college basketball on as no. well. Then Friday there was college basketball. Then Friday there was college football. And then it was it was Black Friday with the World Cup. There was this big match between USA and England. And then, yeah, Bink, uh, Saturday we had more World Cup. We also had the game of the year, right? At least it was billed that way with Ohio State and Michigan, even if it didn't turn out to be that. Um, and then, yeah, it was still an NFL. So it's, I think I think it's, uh, it's, it's a bigger a weekend. weekend gold all the way around is a bigger weekend. The game matters more for Team USA. You get the Bengals and Chiefs, huge game. K-State's in the uh, Big 12 title game. They are. Find a better weekend than this one. You can't do it. I know you're saying last weekend, but come on. All right, back to back to uh, Cincy, though. On to Cincinnati. The revenge games don't happen when you have Patrick Mahomes. And so the fact that we get one on, on Sunday – uh, and the fact that this, to me, will just continue to build up this rivalry. It was so much it's been Allen and, and Mahomes. But Joe Burrow, and when you have the opportunity, if you're Cincinnati, to get to 3-0, like that, that to me is everything for this game. Like As much as we 
can talk about just the the individual player ramifications now. If you're Justin Reed, you got to back it up after what you said. And if you're Jamar Chase, you want to back up uh, what, what you said, even though you've already torched the Chiefs before just a year ago or less than a year ago. It is, to me, though, the bigger picture storyline of what we could be talking about for years to come between Joe Burrow and Mahomes and the Chiefs and Cincinnati depending on what happens on Sunday and also likely what we'll see in about eight weeks or so when they probably are going to end up playing each other in the postseason as well. I think it matters so much. It matters so much at the end of the year. When you look at that one seed, you want to come to Arrowhead and play it or do you want to play? Well, if Buffalo cannot melt down like they did last year and could Buffalo, you know, go on a run and make the, uh, get the number one seed back in the AFC. It's a big difference playing in Buffalo, New York in the AFC title game or playing Arrowhead stadium in front of your own fans. That makes a huge difference. And the Chiefs and Mahomes, they've gotten to play at home the last four years in the AFC title game. So, yeah, you have that on the line. Then the whole Burrow-Mahomes thing, that's the storyline. It's not its not—it's um, not Andy Reid in this game. It's nobody else. It's Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's not Hayden Hurst and Travis Kelsey talk. We, we balance the tight ends against each other. It doesn't matter. This game is all about two people. It's about Mahomes. It's about Joe Burrow. And about, she- and about Jamar Chase. Maybe I mean, he's coming off an injury. I mean, I, yeah, and that's Hayden great Hurst. Story, but hey, I said Hayden Hurst. And it's Tyler Higby. Yeah. And T. Higgins. T. Higgins. Taylor Boyd. Joe Mixon. Keep going. Can you name anybody else? How many Bengals players can you name in the next Terrace 10 Kappa, uh, uh, <laughs> McPherson. They're in school. <laughs> <laughs> We got we got big so I can, I can name got, the team. We got big worked up. There. I can name the team. We got we got big worked up there. Uh, I, I, how how did you guys view the regular season game though? Because when, when they faced each other last year, I I went back and read a couple articles about the game a year ago, not the playoff game, but the regular season. And I guess for for a brief second, I I forgot how frankly ticked off everybody was about the officiating around that game. The Chiefs fans think the Bengals just got lucky last year like is that is that the common thought or is that just a minority of Chiefs fans because I went back and that was when Ron Torbert wasn't supposed to be the official remember they they quickly moved the crew due to some scheduling conflicts or whatever he officiated the game you have the the weird illegal hands to the face call I think it was against Charvarius Ward uh the controversy with that you had Andy Reid after the game even for the you know usually he kind of shies away but he even talked about officiating you had Joe Burrow after the game last year saying, quote, it was a great feeling. We got a little lucky at the end. We got some calls, but sometimes you got to get a little lucky. That was a huge conversation, not just Jamar Chase going for, what, 260 against the Chiefs, but how poor the the game was officiated. So I I don't view that the Bengals just got lucky last year in both of the games, but more and more people I've seen kind of having that thought around what what occurred. I think Cincinnati beat the Chiefs fair and square for the most part. No, they did. I mean, you know, they came back. They won the game. And we can talk about officiating all we want, but oftentimes we don't bring it up, you know, with Chiefs W's or L's or anything else. I mean, when we lose games, people do bring it up. But when you win games, nobody brings up the officiating. I, I think it did matter. I do. But it didn't matter because what matters was the AFC title game. That's the game that mattered. Now, had the Chiefs won the regular season, it, it's still the same. Because the Bengals were the team that won in the postseason. To me, that game, the comeback for the Bengals and keeping the Chiefs out of the Super Bowl, that's the real storyline. What happened in a regular season, I don't think really matters. We don't look at the Bills games because Chiefs lost to the Bills the last two times in the regular season. But, but you, nobody cares because everybody cares about the playoff games against Buffalo. Don't you think, though, like because it's 2-0 now, if we, we can say, yes, the title game is the one that matters. Of course, playoff game matters more. But if they lose on Sunday to Cincinnati – 
It's hard to poo-poo just this regular season result when it would be 3-0 at this point. And it does matter, I guess, instead of 2-1 or 1-2, whichever direction you want to say it. But 3-0 is, is, is big and that's steep. That is something some people are going to talk about. They talk about the 0-2, Mahomes and Burrow, and we know by watching the game, you look back at the officiating, and it really wasn't Mahomes' fault, to be honest with you. He admitted he didn't play as well as he could have in that playoff game against the Bengals. But yeah, the regular season, yeah, some people run with that. But let's be honest, it doesn't matter. Just like the whole Buffalo thing. Oh, so what? They lost to him in the regular season the last two years. Who cares? What happened in the playoffs? To me, that's the only thing that matters is what happens in the postseason. But it is a talking point. Hey, you know, Mahomes 0-3 against Burrow. Okay, what's his record against even the playoffs? It's 0-1. Like, the playoffs are what matter. And obviously, the seeding will matter in this game. Yeah, I mean, it has the major ramifications. I just I just forgot, frankly, how upset everybody was about the officiating at the oh, end people of that, freaking out about that, that regular game. season game. Legarius Sneed remember was called for unnecessary roughness on a, on a tackle of Jamar chase. And it was just, it, it appeared to be just a pretty normal tackle, but he got called for, I'm watching the, even the replay of it right now. He grabbed him from the shoulder pad and they, they claim he threw him down out of bounds. Seemed like it was all in one motion. Like there was, there were plays like that that had everybody talking. And that's why Ron Torber, don't worry. He's not officiating this game on, on Sunday and Cincy. it was just a uh, bizarre games where it's late, late officiating switch. I don't think they were prepared to call this game. I think the Chiefs were caught up in it. Game was in Cincinnati. Okay. Got, your, got a second crack at them in the playoffs. It didn't go the way the Chiefs wanted. This, this should be the game that the Chiefs want to win. I mean, this should be the game that they were thinking about and talking about in St. Joe. This is the game that they're probably talking about in the locker room. Let's go out and beat the Bengals. And Justin Reed goes and talks about it, you know, in the middle of an interview. The other Chiefs aren't talking about it, but you know they're thinking about it. I mean, this, is the, this team thrives on chip on their shoulder. They all do. Every single one of them thrives on the chip on the shoulder. And I think this city and the fan base does as well. Yeah, I mean, Kelsey on his podcast, what he does with his brother, uh, we, we played the cut yesterday where he he mentioned that this was a game that they had circled. When the schedule came out, he's like, oh, and that, that was one they circled. Yeah, nobody's nobody's denying the fact that this game means quite a bit uh, to, to the Chiefs considering what had occurred a season ago, in particular the second half. And it seems like everybody feels like it was more of a lack of execution than anything else. I feel that this game, though, means just as much to the Bengals as the Kansas City Chiefs because the Bengals are <coughs> fighting for validity. They're fighting for that respect because they, they don't feel they got it. And you know what? They really have it. When people talk about the AFC, they talk about the Chiefs, they talk about the Bills, they're talking about the Dolphins, this resurgent Dolphins team, uh, the Titans get mentioned a lot. The Bengals still get mentioned. And by beating the Kansas City Chiefs, they will. And I think people take this team a lot more seriously because they got off that slow start, slow 0-2 start. People weren't talking about the Bengals. But you've always known they're a good team. But this game, I think, means something to them perception-wise. To say they can beat the Chiefs three straight times, I think for the Bengals, this game can be viewed just as important, if not more important, than the Kansas City Chiefs because they're fighting for respect, too. They really are because they're not getting it. I mean, I don't think the Chiefs get it as much as they should. They still get a lot of respect. I mean, on the power rankings, have them at least one or two. But the Bengals are a team completely fighting for respect. That's why I'd give them kind of maybe, it's a big game on both parts. Revenge game for the Chiefs, last big game of the year for Kansas City, and for the Bengals about respect. Respect, but also putting them in the same spot as a year ago. I mean, it was the Chiefs losing to them that really sprung them into the playoffs in terms of the momentum that they got. I mean, it was kind of a similar spot in that regard where, with, with that result in the regular season. That was a game that started to get everybody to wake up about Cincinnati. Like, oh, wait a second, they, they just beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and that, that was a springboard for them 
into the postseason a year ago. And because this game is occurring late in the season, while it's not quite as late as the, I think the game last year, it, it seems like it's got the same effect potentially for Cincinnati. Otherwise, if they, if Cincinnati loses on Sunday and they're two and a half point underdogs to, to the chiefs, if they lose, it's not a sure thing. They win that division. They're still right there with Baltimore. They lose. They, they they're drop. seven and five instead of eight and four. That's a big yeah. difference. And you know, the Ravens are sitting there at seven and four tied with them. I, obviously the Browns and the Steelers of four and seven aren't going to catch the Cincinnati Bengals, but playoff seating and you name it so much of this, like we're talking about the Chiefs side and how big this game is. The Chiefs, I guarantee in Cincinnati, they're talking about, hey, they're the sixth seed. They're the sixth seed going into this game. And right behind them are the Jets and then the Chargers. Then it becomes a dogfight between the Bengals and the Jets and the Chargers. If the Bengals somehow lose this game and the Ravens are able just to kind of keep their head above water. So, yeah, it's a huge swing game for the Cincinnati Bengals. Not only in perception, but the way they sit in the standings. Coming up in about 15 minutes, uh, something that Bink says is happening in Kansas City and should be getting a little bit more attention when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. But we know uh, this weekend wraps up the regular season for college football in terms of uh, conference championship weekend. Bink says it's going to be the best weekend of the of the calendar year, almost it sounds like. Uh, we, we've got Pac-12 championship tonight. you got the Big 12 title game tomorrow. K-State taking on TCU. The Wildcats, uh, two-and-a-half-point underdogs to TCU. And then, of course, later on in the day, the SEC title game, Big Ten title game as well. And then we get all the bowl assignments come Sunday. You'll have the college football playoff uh, selection show. And then much later in the day, you'll find out all the, the determining factors for selections. And the one scenario that I think a lot of people here locally have been keeping an eye on is, could KU and MU play in football? We ha- it hasn't happened since 2011. They're scheduled to play in 2025, but it hasn't happened since 2011. And the one bowl game that people had keyed in on was the Liberty Bowl because there's only three potential Big 12 SEC bowl game tie-ins together. And one of them you're not going to get. And then it really narrows it down to the Texas Bowl and the Liberty Bowl. Liberty Bowl is a higher payout, and it's higher up on the food chain in terms of uh, order of being able to select teams. Well, Brett McMurphy of the Action Network today is reporting that Missouri does not want to play Kansas. And before people freak out and say, well, that's not, that's not true. Let me just read you the report and the wording for Brett McMurphy. The border war between Missouri and Kansas has been dormant since 2011, but there was an opportunity for this iconic rivalry to resume in the Liberty Bowl this month. There was just one problem. Missouri didn't want to play Kansas, so the matchup will not happen. Industry sources told the Action Network. There's a quote from a source in this article as well. A 6-6 six and six team dictating who they don't want to play in a bowl. What a world. What a world. So the Missouri Tigers, they don't want to play Kansas Bank. They're running from the Jayhawks. All this talk for a decade and saying, oh, Bill Self doesn't want to play Missouri, which was a true thing, and he got crushed for it. Crushed for it. Who's running now, though, Bank? It's not, it's not just that they don't want to play in the Liberty Bowl. Cowards. The, the report says Missouri doesn't want to play Kansas. Cowards. I think you guys are what looking di- at this shame. What a disappointment. Shameful. I think what both of you are looking through, this, through crimson Dis- glasses. Disappointing. It's not. Missouri plays Kentucky the same day as, okay, there's, there's two tie-ins between the Big 12 and the SEC. Texas Bowl and the Liberty Bowl. Guess what? The Texas Bowl is played on the 28th as well. And so is the Liberty Bowl. And Missouri plays Kentucky in basketball on that day. And they just don't want to take a Missouri's guy. More guys going to the NFL. Oh my you ever heard gosh. of the NFL, Kansas? Weak. Uh, that used is weak. To, used to with me, Gino, you had guys because go to the NFL. there's a basketball no. game. And Missouri's going to have guys out of the game. Is, you know what I mean? They want to they 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 play say that. fair. They want to fight fair. Then say, well, bank. 
They want to fight fair. That excuse I'm, is weaker than Missouri not playing Kansas. I think you guys are looking at this thing through one one side. I'm just you're, not, reading, you're not taking a look at the big picture. I'm reading it from Brett McMurphy. Does Brett McMurphy's article say Missouri doesn't want to play on December 28th, or does it say they don't want to play the University of Kansas? It says they don't want to play Kansas. Not they don't want to play that day because of a conflict. He is reporting. Well, Texas sources Bowl are and Liberty Bowl, him, same day as the Kentucky game. He's not reporting they, they don't want to play because of the conflict, Bank. He's but saying that, they don't that, want that, to play That's bad Kansas. reporting. It's short-sighted reporting. I think Brett McMurphy's pretty damn good at his job. Wow, so you're calling out Brett McMurphy. No, I think McMurphy's great. I look, I look at every single one of his. He does this all season long, bold projections and predictions. I think Brett McMurphy's great, but I think this article is one-sided. I don't think this is the Missouri side of things <clears throat> being oh, it's, uh, a, it's not a good look, Bink. Running away from the Jayhawks. Listen, it makes more sense to me. If I'm Missouri, you're playing Kansas because that's what people want. It, listen, all those Missouri fans that live Brett in Kansas City or St. Louis in Columbia, they can drive to the Liberty Bowl. It's a drivable deal. Now it's looking like Missouri, possibly in the Gasparilla Bowl against East Carolina and Tampa. Nobody's going to have any buzz for that. Yeah, that's exciting. Kansas, Missouri would be the buzz. It is the oldest rivalry west of the Mississippi. Reinstated. That would be awesome to have this game. But Missouri's looking as well. They have guys, you know, sitting on this game, going to the NFL. They haven't played There's a rivalry injuries. in ten years, and they're worried that their basketball team, who's going to get torched by Kentucky, by the way, that that game is more yeah. important. How many losses do they have? Look who they've played. Big. Don't you're not going to try to get me. Tough, you're, you're but there really are not, there are the really, others receiving votes. There are others receiving votes. They both. literally have played one of the. 20 easiest well, schedules of that's the fine, 355 but teams but in college undefeated. basketball. And they're, they're receiving votes, Nick. Since don't make me do this. Don't two make me go through Missouri's schedule. Are they receiving Bank. votes, too? Since when did Missouri care more about their basketball program in December than their football it's a big program game, having man. a chance it's to Kentucky. play a rivalry? It's, it's Kentucky. Not, it's not a big game. You know why? Because they play them every year. You know why? Because they're in the same uh, conference as them. I'll be honest with you. I want to see them play in football. December. I want to see them play in football. I would. I want to see them play in football. And they should play in football every single year. What's your favorite win in the Missouri season? Was it uh, SIU Edwardsville or was it Mississippi Valley State? I can't decide. Valley State was good. Lindenwood. Lindenwood was a statement game as well. Nick, tomorrow I think it'll be Southeast Missouri State tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. I mean, a real murderer's row yep. of a schedule that Missouri oh, basketball well, these guys should go play in the NFL at Missouri. That's funny, Bing. Guess what? I just saw my, my timeline. It popped up. Brett McMurphy once again tweeted, Missouri says no thanks to Border War Bowl versus Kansas. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to play Kansas. It popped yeah, up now again. they're playing the same game that Kansas has been playing. Right. The game's scheduled for 2025. And Kansas got absolutely crushed, and Bill Self got crushed for not playing Missouri. And, and now they started it. They started who's run, it. Who's running? They, it sounds Kansas, like there's only one team running. Kansas started this whole I thing. I hope Mizzou gets left out of a bowl game Kansas, altogether. they're not going to get left out of a bowl That's game. That's happened Kansas, before. It's happened before, by the way. They've made three straight bowl games. <laughs> no, three. if you uh, – this happened, I believe, Louisiana Tech in 2012, went 10-3, and decided to wait out for a better bowl. Guess what? Didn't play in one. I hope that happens to Mizzou. Listen, Cowards. I, I wish this game was going to happen. I do. I'm just saying – you're hearing one side of this thing, not the other. And Kansas did start this whole charade. Well, then if Mizzou, this they, was started in Lawrence. If Missouri, if Kansas it really, leave the Big Twelve, this whole we're not playing you crap. Did Kansas leave the Big Twelve? Huh? Did Kansas leave the Big Twelve in 2012? Yeah, I, they would have if given out the opportunity. Missouri's in the VIP section with the SEC. <laughs> Kansas would have. They are. <laughs> no, yeah, they're standing by the they're standing oh, by the emergency exit you're of the club. Cincinnati, such a great program. Luke Fickle's hopping off the Nick thing, smoking to Wisconsin to get in the Big Ten. No, if you look at the conferences like a club, like Kansas waiting to get in. Missouri's already sitting in the VIP section no, in the SEC. Missouri's waiting cigar, for line, watching waiting you, in line. waiting in line to get in. 
Not exactly. A, Missouri's not the exactly VIP. A, oh, yeah, right. Kansas dude. is Groundhog Day. Missouri's like Easter, Thanksgiving, something like that. I mean, they're the best conference. Missouri's a joke of a program. They're a joke of a university, and their fans are jokes as well. See, that, that is completely, that is completely and totally immature. Really? It's you're going like to call me immature? Off. Me of all people? Yeah, you're being very immature about this whole thing. And so are you, Gold, because you're, you're laughing at this thing. <laughs> you're laughing at Nick. <laughs> Both of you. I'm just saying the report from Brett McMurphy is not that Missouri doesn't want to play on December 28th. It is that they do not want to play the University you know what it is, of Gold? Kansas. It's that they don't want to get their ass whooped by Kansas twice They've in the same month. They've got guys sitting out for the NFL. It's, you ever heard of that? National Football League? Then they shouldn't play in a bowl game, Bank. No, you yeah, mean they should just, yeah, just, just wrap it up. You know, good season for Missouri. It's over. Yeah. Let Eli start flying on helicopters already. Let they him start going around. They want a fair fight. Would you fight anybody with one hand tied behind your back? Like, if I was saying, Nick, you and Alex are fighting the 9 to 5, but you have to tie one hand behind your back, would you like, you know what? Let's fight next year, year after, because they can use both hands. Or would you rather fight Alex with one hand? Depends what he's saying. Do you think he could be 10 years of trash talk? Yeah. Was there 10 years of trash talk? If he's running his mouth, he can get it. What about you, Goldwood? If you had to fight Nick with one hand, would you do it or would you wait? I'd do it. I'd do it. I wouldn't run. (laughs) (laughs) No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't run. You wouldn't fight Nick with one hand. I wouldn't run. Coming up next, something that Bink says is happening over at Arrowhead and it should be getting more attention next. You're listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Subscribe and download all new episodes of Nick's Waving in the Week podcast, released every Thursday on the 435 Podcast Network and the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Reminder coming up on Friday, January the 13th, our Cinder Block beer release party going on at Cinder Block Brewing in North Kansas City. Starting at 6 o'clock, our playoff Pilsner once again. Had a lot of fun with that last year. Fantastic beer. Great time out there. Bink, you did your show out there. I think Dusty's going to be doing after hours that night as well. So we'll all be hanging out Friday, January 13th, kicking off the playoffs right before the playoffs get underway next month. A little Friday the 13th too, Bink. I know you're you're very superstitious when it comes to the uh, – Friday the 13th. Not really, Alex. I'm really not. I know you're saying that. You're presuming that, but not really. Hey, Bink, is there anything better than a crisp Pilsner watching a game? No. And, and Cinderblock last year was a hell of a party. All the listeners, great listeners came down there. I mean, it was, it was packed. I think it was one of their biggest days ever at Cinderblock. It was a great crowd. And it was kind of, you know, people were a little bit afraid going out because of the pandemic and all that, but they still came out. But this year, it's going to be awesome. I mean, last year was off the hook. There were so many people at that uh, beer release. And that El Padron just went out quickly. People were just drinking that up. So we'll be there hanging out, uh, having a great time. I'm sure uh, we will see you there, Bink. I'm sure we'll see everybody uh, hanging out. I think Sean Barber came last year. So we'll have a great time. Coming up on Friday, the 13th. Of I've had January. surgery before on Friday the 13th, so I'm not afraid of it. That's cer- yeah, that actually. I I'm not superstitious. What's honest, Michael it, Scott say? Uh, little stitious? Uh, 
a little stitches. Um, I would not want the surgery on the 13th, I will tell you. Friday the 13th, yeah, I probably would be like, yeah, we'll go ahead and just move it to a It's why day. when you go to a hotel and you stay on the 14th floor, uh, yeah. you're actually staying on the 13th. Yeah, but I just – the surgery one is actually the example, Bink, where it's a, it's a no-go. If you ha- if it was uh, elective surgery and you didn't have to have it, it wasn't something you had to be rushed to, yeah. then yeah, then I'm with you. Uh, text line 913-586-7610. Uh, if you have sent in a text, we'll, we'll try to get to them later. The text line is not working currently. That's why. I'm assuming everybody just agreed with everything we yeah, had to say. I, I'm, I'm assuming segment. even that all the Missouri Tiger fans also agreed and really understood exactly Mine's what we Mine's working. Yours isn't working? No, seriously, not working I'm getting all. a bunch of them. No, you're not. Missouri's uh, not no. backing out. Missouri's not <laughs> the cowards Kansas is. I mean, it's just full of that. I haven't seen any of those come in, Bink. Uh, in fact, uh, the, last, the last text is from Keep Tesco texting. Show. I see, Errol, all, last, see them all. Last text that came through was 40 minutes ago. About Antonio Brown? Not, yeah, it's unfortunately not uh, not working. Oh, mine is. We'll get to Nick's notable notes coming up in about 12 minutes or so. Uh, but you, you think somebody's not getting enough attention over at Arrowhead, at least on a national level. Yeah, it's Andy Reid. And everybody's talking about coach of the year. And it, listen, it goes to the younger coaches that are coming in. And did you turn the program around? Look, you look at the last couple of years. Stephans, um, Mike Vrabel won it last year. I get the Titans the number one seed. Then Stefanski won it the year before that. Because Cleveland, they make the playoffs, actually won a playoff game. But it doesn't matter. People vote on it before that. John Harbaugh, though, won it in 2019, yet he's also won a Super Bowl before. Matt Nagy's actually won this. Sean McVay won it, but not in the year. Ron Rivera's won it twice. Bruce Arians has won this award twice. Pilichek's won it three times. Andy Reid has not won Coach of the Year since 2002. And a lot of stuff has happened since then. He's fifth all-time in coach wins. He's third all-time in postseason victories. Two more victories puts him... Number two all-time right there with Bill Belichick. It's Belichick and Reed. That's the top two. And that's what matters. How many postseason games can you win? But this is Andy Reed's best year. 100% is his best year in Kansas City. When you take Tyreek Hill, and everybody's so worried about that, what are the Chiefs going to do without Tyreek Hill? Oh, how about having the number one offense in the NFL? Yards per game by far. Number one in yards per play. Number one in, in points per drive. I mean, they're number one in offense in all these metrics. Why are they? Tyree Kill's not here. You're dealing with the loss of McCole Hardman that has been good in the red zone. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has gotten into the end zone this year. Those two guys are hurt. You've dealt with Frank Clark's suspension on the defensive side. You've had guys hurt, banged up, and out of this game. You've had to make switches on the offensive line. And had like Nick Allegretti start on this offensive line. And they've done it. Why? He changed kind of who and what they were. And we listen, B enemies, the offensive coordinator, that's great. He and Andy Reid work in unison. But offensively, the Chiefs have become a headache for other teams because last year, did people start to get to know him a little bit? Maybe a little bit. But still, at the end of the year, they were number one in points per drive. The Chiefs were. Steve Young said the best thing last year when he compared this to the West Coast offense when he was in San Francisco. He said, listen, teams figured out a way to stop us. What we had to do is readjust. And you hear this all the time in baseball. Well, he's hitting well. What's he going to do when pitchers adjust to his style? Can he go out and hit? We saw Whit Merrifield able to do this. We saw the Brett Eibners of the world bounce around and become pitchers, and you never hear from them again. But Whit was able to make that adjustment back. The Chiefs have made that adjustment back, and they're a headache because you can't really watch previous game film with them. Like You can't go back to last year and look at game film because how much they relied on Tyree Kill. Set a franchise record in receptions, even though he was calling his agent all the time, complaining he wasn't getting the football. He clearly was. But you take him out of the equation of the offense just to be as good. And then it was MVS. Oh, MVS going to change that. MVS hadn't really been a big factor for this offense. Juju has. Juju has. But even when Juju's out, 
It's guys like Justin Watson coming in. It's using Jody Fortson getting 50 yards a couple games ago down the field. It's using Noah Gray. Andy Reid's best job of coaching is this year considering what he's been dealing with. And when they played the top two defense in the NFL, it didn't matter. They played the top defense in the NFL, and they put 44 in their ass in San Francisco. So, I mean, I agree with you that this has been an incredible coaching job. His best Andy here. Reed. His best it, here. It's been phenomenal considering what they had lost and what they've been able to do with this offense. Text line They're agrees. Better. The text line really is not working today. Seriously, I don't know what's going on with it. Uh, the the offense is better than it was a year ago, which is remarkable to say, and that's a credit to Patrick Mahomes and, of course, a credit to Andy Reid. And, yeah, he should be getting more attention. But, unfortunately, we just know, Bink, that the way the Coach of the Year award sets up, right? The last seven or the last three, the last five Coach of the Years were first-year coaches on their team, it's become an award of either you exceed expectations dramatically or you overcome a significant injury or you're a first-year head coach. That, unfortunately, is kind of the formula to win. We talked about this on, on my betting show, the very first show we did when we were looking at futures and why to bet on. This is why Nick Sirianni and Kevin O'Connell, the head coach of the Vikings, were both very popular picks. You know, you had an ego scene that people were high on, and all of a sudden they, they have this room to take a huge leap. The Chiefs, when you're consistently winning 12 games a year, the unfortunate way for you to become coach of the year is either for your quarterback to get hurt and you still win 12 games or for you to go from winning 12 a year to Andy Reid winning a ridiculous 15, 16-plus games. And he might get to 15 it, this it year, is but the unfortunate he's not, part he's about not this winning deal. it this year. Well, when we Harbaugh this. You know, finally won it in 2019. He won the Super Bowl a decade before that. You know, Vrabel won it. Okay, that's fine. But Andy Reid is doing a better job than these guys because of who and what he is. Who would have thought we'd be sitting here this far in the season and the Chiefs be number one in yards per game, number one in points per game, number one in passing offense with a bullet point, and number one in on third down conversions, and number one in points per no, drive. Still, who still- would have thought this without Tyreek Hill? Again, look who they're doing it with. They're not doing it with superstars. They're not doing with all for just Travis Kelsey. No, I'm, Kelsey and Mahomes. I'm with, you. I'm with you. I mean, Nick knows no this. running whenever game. We, Nick knows this. Whenever we get into conversations about like awards, he knows I view it from a from a betting angle. So I, I'm with you. Like I just feel I just going into the season, the the only scenario for Andy Reid to have won it, fair or not, would have been what I just said: injury, and yet they still win 12 games. Uh, or I'm with you on that, but loss of players I do think matters. Loss of Thank talent you. on again, offense I think again, does matter. Again, I I agree with you. He he's done an unbelievable job. I just I always, whether you think I should or not, I view it from a betting angle. I'm just telling you, he has zero chance to win it, and and that has been the case pretty much all year. That's it all is I'm sort saying. of annoying though the way that the criteria has never evolved in that specific award. Sure, I mean yeah, Which you can argue just, about the way it's determined. I'm just telling you how it goes. And the, and the, it. And the way the criteria basically works, and Bink, you said it, but it, the, to be summarized, it's we thought your team was going to suck. <laughs> yes, they don't suck. Therefore, it must be you. It must be the coach. We couldn't have been wrong with our preseason projections. Like, if you're going to give it to, who, who did you say was the favorite right now? Nick Sirianni. So, Sirianni, by the way, which a lot of people liked the Eagles roster coming into the season. I mean, they traded for that. Uh, 100% like They traded it. for that cornerback um, from the Giants right before the season began. And people were saying this is the most complete roster in the NFL. And here they are looking like one of the most complete teams in the NFL. But instead of just saying, well, look at the personnel, look at their offensive line, look at the weapons on the outside, look at won. the defense in the secondary. It's because they didn't win their division last well, year. Well, John Harbaugh so like, won oh, in well, 2018. Must be coaching. In 2018, the Ravens finished in first place in the AFC North. And then he wins Coach of the Year the following year. 
He yeah, went, they from, went from they went from ten, 10 and six, six to fourteen, to 14 and two. I get it. In the one seed. Yeah. I get it. Still, he won. He won his division. Was first in the division. The next year, he wins Coach of the Year. Yeah. And, for Andy Reid to win Coach of the Year one time, when Belichick's won three times, he's won it once since two thousand and two. Give me a break. It's a ten straight years of having a win, winning season. You just don't do this in the NFL. The NFL has set it for you to fail, yeah, and he's defied I, what the NFL is trying to do to coaches. He's defied yeah. that. He averages almost 12 wins a year with the Kansas State Chiefs. Yeah. In this day and age in the NFL, to go to four straight AFC title games, ridiculous, and it could be five this year. That is unheard of with the parity in the National Football League. Everybody's spending the same amount of money. This stuff doesn't happen. Maybe Reed is doing something that doesn't happen. Could he ever win it again? Could he ever win it with I, Patrick I, Mahomes as his quarterback? I, yeah, I'll give you this scenario again. <laughs> Just like again, we can we don't I don't disagree with you guys that it's it's a flawed system, a flawed way the voting goes about for this. Um, but in, unless something magically changes with those that vote on this, it would require him to win 11 or 12 games or the AFC West without Patrick Mahomes. Meaning, unfortunately, there was this early season injury. Or he goes and wins 16 or 17 games. You can say, oh, that's not fair. It's not fair. But I'm just, that that's where we've set it up. Basically, if you're looking at betting coach of the year and therefore who's going to win it, you need a coach whose team wins a bunch, way more than last year. They need to outperform their win total expectations. And so you need a team that everybody thought was going to win 7 to 10 that wins 12 plus or like Vrabel won it a year ago. Why did, why did Vrabel win it a year ago? Because Derrick Henry was out and they were the number one seed. Number one I don't seed. think that second scenario you laid out would even get it done. Like, I don't think if they, won, if they won 16 games, they would just go and find the <laughs> first or second year head coach who improved the win total by five games. But Andy Reid, seriously, 2013, the team was two and four, or 2012, yeah. the team was two and 14, right? He comes to Kansas City, he's 11 and five. That 2012 Chiefs team is probably the worst we've ever seen, yet 2013, he goes 11 and five. Doesn't even sniff the coach of the year. Doesn't even stiff it. He keeps getting left out. And he's he's won without Mahomes. When Mahomes got hurt on Denver and the quarterback sneak. I'm not saying that you want a long run with that. He was out for two games, but they still found out the way to be an adequate team offensively. But again, if we're going to use this excuse, <laughs> two and two and fourteen, number one pick on the Glock to eleven and five the following year, and going nine and zero to start that season, his first year here in Kansas City, that was prime for him to be coach of the year. Yeah, I mean, if you want to debate whether he should have been coach of the year nine years ago or something, then that, I'm like, sure. I, I just, I, I that, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get upset about it, whether he should have been coach of the year eight or nine years ago. Ron Rivera won. Let's go year. back and analyze the 2007 <laughs> coach of the year race and Please. see if they got it right. It was Belichick. <laughs> was it in 07? Probably. <laughs> seems like a good guess. That seems like a nice, nice guess. If that was the case, I, I won't disagree. The year Reed won the Super Bowl, Harbaugh won it. Yeah, again, it's not as. The award's done before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the coach of the year would in, usually be the Super Bowl champion. It's just that the award is voted on before. Well, the fact the that Belichick's the won this thing three times, I mean, Andy deserves it. I mean, this year, out of all years, doing it with the with, with no names on offense. Well, I don't know if that's <laughs> necessarily fair. <laughs> well, who's the biggest names besides Kelsey? Well, Juju? You can't Kelsey. do that. By the way, Kelsey, you can't. Kelsey. You don't get to say besides, you know, the Hall of Fame, maybe the greatest, the greatest tight end ever. Yeah. Who's the biggest names on the Eagles offense between besides Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown? <laughs> Quez Quanty Watkins. <laughs> who's, who's, who's the biggest names on the Vikings besides Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins? You don't need anybody else. <laughs> anyway, let's get to Nick's Notable Notes. Gotta write something down. Nick's Notable Notes. Miles Sanders has been there yards, by the way. Yeah, what? For the Sanders. Eagles, Miles Sanders. That's a good note. I wish I would have had that one. 
Write something down, man. I'm going to write that down. down. Maybe that'll be for Monday. Give me some notables. Today I want to talk about defense, though, the Chiefs' defense specifically. And we have hinted at this throughout the last week or two, but I feel like if they have another big performance on Sunday, next week we're going to be talking a lot about this Chiefs' defense and the way that they have been nearly perfect. One of the best defenses in the NFL in the second half over the last month and a half, and I get it. Where I, I can, I, I'm using arbitrary benchmarks going back six weeks, but in the last six weeks, the Chiefs have played five games, and in those five games, they have allowed four second-half touchdowns. They gave up seven points in the second half last week against the Rams. They gave up seven points in the second half the week before against the Chargers, 10 against Jacksonville, only a field goal against Tennessee, and 10 points against the Niners. That's the fourth fewest points allowed in the second half in the NFL. And I feel like if they do it again against one of the most high-powered offenses in the league this Sunday, we're going to start talking about this Chiefs defense being not just like, hey, a nice, because that's kind of how we're discussing the Chiefs defense right now, which is, hey, they're, they're better than expected. They're farther along than we expected this young bunch to be. They do it against the Bengals. We're going to start talking about them being one of the premier defenses in the NFL. Well, because it also would then answer some question and maybe concern because we know it's all about the come playoff time. Do you think this defense is good enough, right? That's been the story for Is it good enough to help you win a Super Bowl or not? And if they are able to have a good showing against Cincinnati, who is going to likely be a playoff team, who we know with a full arsenal on offense of Jamar Chase and Higgins and Boyd and Mixon, which looks like it's going to be the case, along with Joe Burrow, if this defense can have a good showing, it will give you a lot of confidence heading into the postseason, knowing that they're going to face teams just like that. Yeah, and I think one of the stats sits out there that's just so remarkable about this defense, fifth against the run. And they were number one against the run about three weeks ago. But for this team to be fifth against the run, that's unbelievable because they're usually hovering around 30, 31, 32 against the run. But that's what happens when you get to the postseason. If you can shut down a team's running ability and keep Patrick Mahomes on that football field, That makes the biggest difference. It really does. If teams can't draw out the clock by running the football, which we've seen, that's the way to beat the Chiefs. Kind of the method to beat the Chiefs in the regular season when teams do it is run the football, control the clock, keep Mahomes on the sideline, drinking Gatorade, talking to Andy Reid. But if if the run defense has been as good, which this defense has really been as good as Nick said, and they've been unbelievable getting to the quarterback, even the last three, it's unbelievable what this team has done. Fourth in the NFL in sacks and fifth against the run. Would you see that from the Chiefs before the season started? No. Everybody was worried about the pass rush. Even Pete Prisco, when he put out his power rankings last week. Pete Prisco, Chiefs, huh? That he said guy. the Chiefs are good. They're number one, but they have no pass rush. Well, their pass rush is fourth in the NFL. Well, you know, what's actually been more impressive to me is what the secondary has done. And I get it. It hasn't exactly been a murderer's row of vertical attacks like it will be this weekend. But we said this two weeks ago before the Chargers game. This feels like the biggest test for Trent McDuffie in his career. There is an opportunity for him to go out on Sunday and prove to everybody and to the Chiefs, this is why you traded up to select me in the first round of the draft. Because going up, you know the way the Chiefs play defense and the way Spags calls it, he's not just going to be one-on-one with Jamar Chase or one-on-one with T. Higgins, but you're talking about the best or one of the best deep threats in football in Jamar Chase, and then T. Higgins, who would be a number one on, what, 25 other teams in the NFL? I mean, don't forget Tyler Boyd. You know, I mean, the, big knock on McDuffie, the big knock on McDuffie was what? He's undersized, right? Yeah, he's not his, the knock on him his entire football career. If he goes out and has a big performance against the Bengals, 
I think that will be a welcome to the NFL moment for him to say, hey, it's not just that I've been mm-hmm. going up against bad wide receivers or bad passing attacks. I've done it against one of the league's best. Yeah, it'll change the entire narrative around him. I mean, they traded up for a reason. They loved him. We saw the video on draft night where the, the Bills were clearly upset. The Chiefs traded up ahead of them to go and get Trent McDuffie. If McDuffie is able to hold his own or make a huge play, a turnover, because we talk about needing takeaways, against Jamar Chase or T Higgins or Boyd. Yeah, it will absolutely change the conversation around him and make everybody look at, at this draft class once again of uh, just how critical it's been. And we know that he was the third cornerback selected. One of the other names, Bink, you know this, one of the other names that people were tossing around before the draft for the Chiefs at that spot was Kyir Elam, who plays for the Bills, who was inactive last night, was not listed on the injury report, which tells you that he simply got benched. So part of the draft is nailing it and yeah, getting Nick, guys you, that you can. You you didn't have Elam no, in your mind. You had, he was on my, you had Christian Watson, though. He was on my yeah. fade list. I said, stay away yeah. from Kyer Elam. I said, he'll probably be yeah. inactive by week 13. Yeah, and, and then you said, man, look out for Christian Watson, specifically from week 10 to week 13. Yeah, Christian I said Watson's he'll be a late bloomer. Up. Like, it might take him a little bit of yeah. a. Of, a, of a growing pains to get through before but you're he gets right to about that the point. Big Duffy, pick this while they make it. They, they have five guys with 40 or more receptions. The Bengals. Five. Chiefs have two with 40 or more receptions. Hmm. Is Hayden Hurst one of those guys? He is. <laughs> is Tyler Higby one of those guys? <laughs> Higby's not, but Higgins is. Higgins is. Okay. I got to get my uh, Bengals receivers down. I know we've talked all Go week. Go by number. We've talked all week about how big this game is, the revenge factor. It feels like the buildup's been more anticipatory than maybe the Bills game, but the Bills has staying power, right? We've been talking about the Bills now for three seasons since Josh Allen came on the scene and they've been a mainstay in the AFC. Is there anything that could happen on Sunday that would lead to the Bengals getting to that level, that status level where we're constantly watching what they're doing. We're constantly comparing the Chiefs well, to them the way we do with the Bills. They will become a massive rival of the Chiefs if they go 3-0 and against Mahomes. I mean, that goes without saying. But as far as like changing of, like, are they here to stay kind of thing, I mean, they'd be a pain in the ass for the Chiefs, but I would still say at that point they're an 8-4 and team that still is battling to win their division. And so Isn't it weird, though? They would be a consistent playoff team, but... I, I think people want to see Cincinnati win their division in consecutive years. But isn't it weird that I'm not saying you're doing this, but I feel like we move the goalposts on what it takes to be a contemporary to the Chiefs because the Bengals have accomplished more than the Bills have. There's no way around yeah. it. The only thing the Bills have is that they've been doing it longer. But the Bills don't have the postseason success. They haven't won an AFC championship or went to a Super Bowl. The Bengals just did that last year, and it feels like we're still waiting for them to prove something to us. I think the Bills have made a little bit of a mistake focusing solely on the Chiefs. When there's these other teams like the Bengals trying to take that that mantle from, like you said, but they 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 solely focus on the Chiefs. They really do. You talk to anybody out in Buffalo that covers the Buffalo Bills or Rochester, these guys, 13 seconds, Kansas City Chiefs is what they focus on. When they're kind of leaving the other teams they really need to focus on, like the Miami Dolphins, like the New York Jets, like other teams, they're not thinking about them. They're just thinking about the Kansas City Chiefs and that come back, come back to bite them. Because I think the Bengals are getting right there, and I think they've already passed the whole Justin Herbert thing. I think Joe Burrow. No question. Last year was all about Justin Herbert, and I keep saying, Joe Herbert or Joe Burrow's the guy, man. Joe Burrow, but he's already passed, I think, the Joe uh, Justin Herbert love. This year, uh, this time last year, Burrow-Herbert comparisons were very popular because they were taking the same draft, and we were like, okay, well, who would mm-hmm. you rather have? And because Herbert can make all of the physical throws, he can make the weird sidearm, chuck it downfield 65 yards on a rope. Burrow doesn't do that. He's just a gamer. And at this point, as much as I love Justin Herbert and I think he's a, an incredible talent, 
some point you just have to start winning. And I'm tired of making excuses for you and say, well, it's the coaching. Well, it's the defense. Well, it's the injuries. Some Joe Burrow gets sacked more than almost any other quarterback in the NFL. And it doesn't matter. All he does is win yeah, football that, games. That will be the huge story in the off season. If Justin Herbert doesn't make the playoffs, that will have to start becoming an indictment on him. Not just yet, yeah, not just the coaching staff, not just the injuries. If it's another season. Now we say that the Patriots lost last night and the next team out is suddenly the Chargers. They're right there. The minute the Jets slip up or, or if Cincinnati loses all of a sudden, the Chargers are right on their ass to get that. And final if they had a head coach, they, I mean, we look at this division. That's the one sleeping giant. I, I know, it is. If the, they get the right what, head coach, right, but, they could but be to, viable. But to what Nick is saying, at some point, though, if you're one of those legit, elite, top five, six quarterbacks, you, you got to, at bare minimum, get into the postseason, man. Like, it can't always just be the injuries and the head coach. I'm yeah, with one, you. One brain. game out of the playoffs. One game I, out of the playoffs. Right, but if that's if that's the story of the first three or four years of the dude's career, then it, th- at some point you have to be I'm able with to win you. They games. need to get it. We, we should hope for them to make the playoffs. Really? Because yes, why? Because you I want Brandon. You want them to keep no, the same I, thing. I enjoy you the want Chargers. Them the same. Keep the same uh, head coach. I enjoy the Chargers missing out in the postseason. That's no, you do not want the Chargers getting a good head coach. You do not think we've want been that. saying this for ten years. They haven't been able to find that out. I'm just saying you don't want to pair Justin Herbert with a good coach offensively. Yeah. They, he's right now with a one-year defensive coordinator from the Rams. Keep it that way. Yeah, like I mean, what are you fearful if they're going to go hire Sean Payton? Is that because that that's a possibility? Like, I think that would be uh, a nice I, fit, right? I think that would be a great fit. Um, but no, I I will enjoy after all the talk of the AFC West. I would enjoy it if the Chiefs were the only team to make the playoffs. Okay, let me division. ask you this: that would be fantastic. What if Andy Reid was in with the Chargers? What would their record well, be? I'm just asking. Yeah, you. obviously they would be more than a seven win, a six win okay. team right now. They would have made the playoffs the last couple of years. What yeah, you're saying? If Andy Reid was head but coach, but in I LA. can do that. How, how many? What do you think the Cleveland? What, you, what do you think the the record would be for just about any other team if they had Andy Reid? You just told me t- ten minutes ago he's a coach of the year. Full size that, Andy Reid or many Andy Reid? You, you just told me that Andy Reid full size one coach of the year four other times in his career. Uh-huh. So yeah, we can play. Like how many more wins do you think multiple teams would have if they had Andy Reid? I'm not arguing that Andy. The, the debate isn't is Andy Reid a better coach. What I'm saying is coach matters in LA. That's what you should worry about them pairing Justin Herbert with viable coach before his time's done. And he's on a second contract. Not worry about the Chargers at all. Not worried about them. They play the chiefs close. I'm not saying, I'm just saying you put him with an adequate head coach. That could be a good football team. Those are Nick's notable notes up next. Those are very good. Nick. Very good. (laughs) We keep talking chiefs football. Pete Sweeney, our Chiefs insider from Arrowhead Pride, stops by. We'll get his thoughts, of course, on this Chiefs game on Sunday and what it means if Jarek McKinnon cannot play. There's Kelsey to the end zone. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.